Welcome to the First Church Orlando podcast. Here you will find recordings of weekly sermons, devotions, interviews, and seminar recordings from the First United Methodist Church of Orlando. For more information about First Church Orlando, please visit our website at firstchurchorlando.org or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Now, enjoy the podcast. Scripture reading this morning comes from the book of Revelation, chapter 3, beginning with verse 14. Jesus says, write this to the angel of the church in Laodicea. These are the words of the Amen, the faithful, the true witness, the ruler of God's creation. I know your works. You are neither cold nor hot. I wish that you were either cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. After all, you say, I'm rich, I've grown wealthy, and I don't need a thing. You don't realize that you're miserable, pathetic, poor, blind, and naked. My advice is that you buy gold from me that has been purified by fire so that you may be rich and white clothing to wear so that your nakedness won't be shamefully exposed, and ointment to put on your eyes so that you may see. I correct and discipline those whom I love, so be earnest and change your heart and lives. Look, I'm standing at the door and knocking. If any of you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in to be with them, and we'll have dinner with them, and they will have dinner with me. As for those who emerge victorious, I will allow them to sit with me on my throne, just as I emerged victorious and sat down with my father on his throne. If you can hear, listen to what the Spirit is saying to the churches. This is the word of God for the people of God. So today is the fourth Sunday of Lent, as, as Emily shared earlier. It's, it's almost over, almost halfway through Lent. We just have a couple of weeks left. And our theme for Lent this year is restoration. We've been looking at the cross as the place, as the means by which God has taken all the brokenness of the world and through Jesus' sacrifice makes us a new creation. Behold, I make all things new. So far in this series, we've talked about how God desires to restore our broken hearts, to replace our hearts of stone with hearts of flesh. We've talked about how God wants to restore broken relationships through, through repentance, apology, through forgiveness, and through reconciliation. And today we're going to talk about God's desire to restore a broken church. Now today is also Confirmation Sunday. At 11, 11 of our own youth will be confirmed into the church. What that means is that they now are of an age. They are mature enough that they can say that the covenant their parents entered them in baptism, now they want to own for themselves. That they're ready to say, I have my own faith in Jesus. I am ready to be a member of the church. The United Methodist Confirmation Ritual says, Through confirmation, we renew the covenant declared at our baptism, acknowledge what God is doing for us, 
and affirm our commitment to Christ's holy church. A little bit later, our confirmands are going to join us. We'll introduce them, but they're going to be confirmed at the 11 o'clock service. Now, given that it's Lent, given that it is a, a, a series on restoration and brokenness, And given that we are inviting young people to make a a commitment to the church today, it feels like it would be a little bit dishonest, a bit disingenuous, a bit deceitful if I wasn't completely honest and letting the confirmation class know that we're inviting them to join a broken church. We're inviting confirmation class members to join a broken church just like every confirmand has joined since the beginning of the church in the days following Jesus. No one has ever joined a church that isn't broken. That's just the reality of things. Now, don't get me wrong. The church is the body of Christ. The church is a holy institution. The church is a sacramental presence of the kingdom of God moving among us in the world. The church is a spiritual home, but the church is flawed. The church is imperfect. The church falls short. And this side of heaven, the church is broken, and it always has been. There's a Latin phrase that's often attributed to St. Augustine and to Karl Barth. Nobody knows really who, who owns it. The the phrase is, Ecclesia Semper Reformanda Est. The church must always be reformed. The church must always be reformed. Since the very beginning, since the resurrection of Jesus and, and leaving us to kind of keep the thing going, the church has been in a constant state of perpetual brokenness, reformation, and restoration since the very beginning. Constantly in stages of adjustment and and adaptation, debate and division, renewal and revival, controversy and conflict, exclusion and embrace, scandal and schism, all while sincerely seeking to be as faithful to Scripture and to Jesus as we possibly can be. At its best, the church has always been a place of care, of inspiration, instruction, a place to find loving community, a place that advocates for justice, a place that works to change the world. But at its worst, the church is at times exclusive and overly dogmatic, misogynistic, hypocritical, overly enamored with power, success, wealth, privilege, and status quo. At our very worst, the church has been complicit in colonialism, racism, war, exclusion, and abuse. Now, I'm speaking in very big general terms about the church, but we probably ought to talk about us, right? First church also is a broken church. We're not the church that we once were. We're not the church that some of us remember. We're, we're not the church that we were before the pandemic. There's lots of reasons for that. Pandemic is partially responsible. Also, I think that we just have to acknowledge that increasingly the world around us doesn't value church the way we do. Doesn't understand what we're doing here on a Sunday morning. We're part of a denomination that has been divided for, frankly, too long. And is heading toward a split. 
And maybe we have to confess also that maybe we are the problem. Maybe we have been too slow in becoming the church the world needs and a little too committed to being the church that we want to be. When I was going through the ordination process to become a United Methodist pastor, you write lots of papers, you go through lots of interviews, right, Cameron? Cameron's in the process now. It's a lot. And I remember that part of that process included an interview, and somebody asked me, Vance, why do you think the church is so messed up? Why does it seem like the church has so many problems? That was 30 years ago, and I still remember the question, I still remember what I said. I said, well, that's easy. The church is messed up because of me. It's my fault. And all of us, right? We're all imperfect people. How do we expect the institution of the church to be perfect when none of us are perfect? And we are the church. When we bring all of our imperfect brokenness and sinfulness to the church, inevitably the church becomes an imperfect place. I once heard an expression, maybe you've heard it too, the church is a hospital for sinners, not a museum for saints. And so today we're inviting the the confirmants just to acknowledge their own sinfulness, their own brokenness. They're bringing all of their broken humanity to the church and we can just be one big broken church together. But why would we do that? Why would we bother with the church and why would we inflict it upon young people? Because even imperfect, even broken, the church is still the church. The church is still the body of Christ in the world. The church, the Bible says, is still the bride of Christ. The church and all of its flaws and imperfection still seems to be the place Jesus chooses to do his work in redeeming the world. Rachel Held Evans once wrote, humans are fickle, faith can be fragile, and the church, that robust rambunctious collection of the fickle and the fragile is a broken and complicated institution. Pastor Nadia Bowles-Weber says, to be religious, despite all of the negative connotations, associations with that word, is to be human in the midst of other humans who are as equally messed up and obnoxious and forgiven as ourselves. So a moment ago, I, I read a letter to A church, not a church terribly different than us. It was a long time ago, a faraway place called Laodicea. And Jesus says in his letter, I know your works, and you're neither cold nor hot. I wish that you were either cold or hot. So because you're lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. Because you are lukewarm, I'm about to spit you out. I don't know if Jesus does that head thing, but it just feels right, doesn't it? I'm about to spit you out. You get the feel of it, right? A few synonyms for lukewarm. Tepid. Apathetic. Jaded. Settled. Indifferent. Bored. Uninterested. Uncaring. Disenchanted. Here's a few more. Unconcerned, unmoved, unenthusiastic, distant, passionless, lethargic, reticent, reserved, passive, disengaged, content, lazy. 
That's what it means to be lukewarm. I, I don't pretend to really understand what Jesus is talking about, that I wish you were hot or cold, either one. Like, I don't quite understand what a hot Christian looks like versus a cold Christian, but Jesus apparently is okay with either. He just doesn't like lukewarm. Lukewarm, I want to spit that out. What does a, a lukewarm church look like? What does lukewarm Christianity look like? I think it looks like convenience. I, I come when it fits into my schedule. Luke church, lukewarm church looks like a, an easy, low-demand church. They never ask too much of me. A lukewarm church looks an awful lot like the culture. It's hard to tell the difference between the culture and the church. A lukewarm church feels good. It never really challenges anybody. A lukewarm church is easily adaptable to our individual and personal tastes. A lukewarm church is content with the status quo. But let me tell you what a lukewarm church is not. A lukewarm church, lukewarm Christianity is not spiritually challenging. Lukewarm Christianity doesn't change lives. Lukewarm Christianity does not promote growth and maturity. Lukewarm Christianity doesn't engage with the hard topics. Lukewarm Christianity doesn't provide substantive strength during difficult times. Lukewarm Christianity is not worth your time or your effort. Lukewarm Christianity is rarely world-changing. And so Jesus tells the church in Laodicea, be hot or be cold. He says, be earnest. This is my advice. Be earnest and change your hearts and lives. Earnest isn't a word I use very often. You, earnest. Be earnest. Other versions say, be diligent. Be diligent. Change your hearts and lives. And my favorite, some versions say, be zealous. Be zealous. That's what hot or cold apparently means to Jesus. Be zealous. I would love for somebody to say, Vance is a zealous Christian. Vance is a zealous pastor. I would love for people to say, First United Methodist Church of Orlando is a zealous church. I would love for us to be able to say about this year's confirmation class, they are a zealous bunch of confirmands. Now, will being diligent or earnest or zealous fix the brokenness of the church? I doubt it. We're still imperfect humans after all, but it starts, it's a good place to start. It's certainly a good place toward becoming the church that he wants us to be. The point that I want to make to our confirmation class today, but really all of us, by the way, how many of us have been confirmed at some point? Right? A whole lot of us. How many of us have joined the United Methodist Church? That was your confirmation if you didn't get confirmed as a teenager. We say the exact same words at both. The point that I want to make to all of us today is that confirmation is not a lukewarm decision. Declaring Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior is not a lukewarm declaration. Committing to the church, your prayers, presence, gifts, service, and witness is not a lukewarm commitment. And we certainly do not worship a lukewarm Savior. And hear this. Just like with anything, I can't think of any exception. You get out of it what you put into it, right? Can you think of anything that that isn't true? There's a direct proportionality to what I put into it and what I get out of it. Of course, God gets a whole lot of credit, 
But what I want from my faith and my spirituality and my church has direct proportional equivalence to what I put into it. Lukewarm spirituality will stay lukewarm. A lukewarm commitment rarely becomes more than lukewarm. Lukewarm spiritual pursuits produce a lukewarm spirituality. But there is a deeper spiritual experience. A deeper opportunity for life change available to all of us. Just turn up the heat. And so in this passage from Revelation 3, Jesus says to those who are willing to become more earnest, more diligent, more zealous in their commitment, Jesus says, look, I stand at the door. He stands at the door of the church. He stands at the door of our hearts. Look, I stand at the door and knock. To anyone who invites me in, I will come and eat a meal with you. Jesus is standing at the door of our church today and knocking, wondering if we'll let him in. And if we do, what will he find? Will he find us hot? Will he find us cold? Or will he spit us out? Let us pray. Oh God, our hope, our desire, our intent, certainly, is to be earnest and diligent in our faith, our spirituality, our commitments to you. So turn up the heat, Lord. Lower the temperature, whatever it takes. Help us to become and to be the people you call us to be, even in our brokenness, even in our imperfection. Come and heal your church. Make it what you call it to be, in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you enjoyed the podcast and that you will listen again in the future. If you enjoyed today's message, we hope you'll subscribe to our podcast on your favorite platform and share it with others on social media. For more information about First Church Orlando, please visit our website at firstchurchorlando.org or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. If this podcast is a valuable resource to you, we invite you to give to this ministry by making a financial contribution at firstchurchorlando.org forward slash give. Now, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.